With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is a Monday. It's freezing. It feels like forever since Liverpool have been in action. It's the Anfield Drop brought to you in partnership with Redsbet. Redsbet's offering for those of you who gamble is that half their profits, your losses, are put back into community projects. If you don't gamble, this isn't for you. But if you do, think about using Redsbet. That's redsbet.com and be gamble aware, begambleaware.org. And we've got Lizzie Doyle, Andy Heaton, James McKenna, and James Sutton. Lads, what have you all been up to and lass without the Reds in action? <laughs> Singular. Um, I've just been freezing, really. I'm wondering when the footy's coming back. But um, I've been um, quite happy with the fact that our lads have had a rest. So I'm I'm selfishly, I've, I've really not liked not having the footy, but I'm happy that they've had a nice little recharge, a little massage, maybe a cup of tea and a biscuit. Uh, yeah, so not much. I'm, I'm literally just edging for Wednesday now. James, you've been up to quite a I, bit, haven't you? I've been I've been super busy. Yeah, I've, I'm doing um, I'm doing my first ever national tour of a play, uh, and I'm going to plug it now. And you've got no choice because I've got a microphone in front of me. <laughs> uh, it's called Caroline's Kitchen. It's uh, a black comedy um, by an incredible uh, writer called Torben Betts, who's uh, been likened to Alan Aitborn. Uh, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever been part of, and it's wonderful. Uh, we've just spent five days in Derby, sunny Derby. Uh, which has actually been a lot warmer than up here, I believe. Uh, having a lot of fun. I've done five shows there. We are off to Cambridge next week, and then we are doing the length and breadth of the country, uh, taking in uh, such such dizzy heights as Bath and Eastbourne. Uh, and we come to Liverpool. We're doing the Everyman in Liverpool the 19th to the 23rd of February. Uh, there are a few tickets still available, and I'd love everybody to come and see it because it is, if I do say so myself, an absolute hoot. I probably should actually add that this is Melissa Reddy. It's not Neil Atkinson <laughs> suddenly like having such withdrawal symptoms from <laughs> Liverpool not playing that he's uh, ended up sounding like this. Andy, have you been uh, chefing or? No, well, I've done a bit of Denise. Oh, I've done a bit. <laughs> done a bit. Uh, no, I've mainly been trying to familiarise myself with the jargon of really long and in-depth boring UEFA documents for something I'm working on. Mm, interesting. So, yeah, yeah. yeah um, and I... I, reading's not really my strong point either, big words, and I end over five letters, kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of glaze over, but I'm getting there, I'm getting there, to be continued. <laughs> uh, mine's nowhere near as exciting as you wait for, mine's been um, dealing with the wonderful ways of LFC and our Day Street supporters who are getting banned, which is far from delightful, and that would be a podcast on its own, but hopefully we're, we're getting a bit better on some of that. Maybe one Some, for another day. Yeah, for, for another day. There is a, we, we are putting something out um, today as of Monday, just saying to people what it works. I think there was some echo reports last week about a fan who'd been banned and he took it to the football ombudsman and that one, it looks like, is resolved, but a number of issues. Never ends being a football supporter. Oh, Jay, you love it. Come on. Oh, I didn't say I don't love it. I'm just saying it never ends. Yeah. <laughs> I know, like, for us, it's, it's a bit of a, a blag not having... Liverpool to watch but for the team it must have been really good because I think beyond the physical aspect of it 
we probably gloss over how mentally draining it can be to be in a title challenge where, you know, you've got the most points at the stage of a season and yet you've got this relentless city challenge behind you. And the contrast from the start of the season where regardless of everything Liverpool were doing, it just felt like it wasn't good enough because they were still only second. And that reversal where now the chase has become the chase. Lizzie, do you think it would have benefited them greatly? Yeah, not off. Um, the, when City played the other day, the second leg against um, Burton, and it was it was the day that it was really icy and freezing cold, and it literally sort of taps into that Tuesday night at Stoke uh, that we always used to talk about. And what I was thinking is when I saw the team, she said, you see, Aguero was starting, Mares was starting... You know, there's a couple of lads on the bench who okay, maybe didn't get the game, but still had to be ready if they were to come on. And I was just thinking, like, mentally, obviously, I know footballers want to play football, but imagine being 9-0 up in, you know, a semi-final and in, in, you're going into the second leg, it's freezing cold, and Aguero thinks, buddy, I'll, I, I've, got to, I've got to start here and, and I've got to play. It, that doesn't do any good for them. And then they had the FA Cup as well. So I, I, I look at the difference. The reason I'm, I'm drawing on City is because they're the second, obviously, and, and they've had a couple more games than us. Whereas, like I say, Liverpool can sit back and think, you know what, lads, we haven't got another game till Wednesday and sort of just take that time for themselves to just, like I say, have a little bit of a, 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 a relax. And, you know, because in between training in, in the week, I don't know how much time they have to sort of like unwind. Whereas this has given them quite a nice break to probably go off and do a little couple of things that they want to do and will probably bring them back in a nice mindset. Yeah, I mean, I know it wasn't by design, but if you could have picked uh, a time to go on a break after what happened to Palace, it would be that yeah. be that one, you know, just to regroup and one thing. Because they looked, not saying they looked ragged, but you could see over the December and January where we've been playing every couple of days and we just looked a little bit stretched and a little bit exhausted. You can regroup. Lizzie's just touched on a really interesting point there about what, f- what footballers do outside the training and the answer is generally nothing. They sit in their houses on their own. So maybe with them being away and being forced, not forced to be together, but they're spending time with the teammates that they wouldn't naturally do, you know, naturally be doing so much. So yeah, I mean, hopefully, look, such would, you know, it, it's done them the benefit of good, but you can see the reasons why it would do. Mm. We just need to get up there on, when, uh, on Wednesday night now against Leicester and uh, show how good the break's been for them, I think. Yeah. James, it's also the, the element of getting out of the bubble because when you are playing all the time and you're in this consistent you know battle um, to stay at the top everything is consumed by what's happening next you don't actually get the the chance to to relax reflect recharge and and all those because it's just go 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 whereas now you can look back and you know think of how far you've come together as a team but also importantly you know everyone can have that fire in them for the determination to carry on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, look, we, you know, we, 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 we don't know what it's like for the, for the players, you know, to be, to be top of the table. We don't know what, you know, how the pressure feels to them. I mean, it must be exhausting as much as they, you know, proclaim in interviews and, you know, on the website and stuff that, you know, they take each game as it comes and there's, you know, it's all very fine, it's all fine and well and there's a big squad and we've got depth and all this sort of stuff. It must be stressful being top of the league and every time you go out in Liverpool having people, you know, 
shouting at you and celebrating you it must be exhausting so just to get away and just like you say just recharge and just take you know have, have a bit of fun as well mm-hmm. you know because this 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 gang of lads you know they this season especially I mean they've been so professional they've been so committed you know everyone's giving 110% for the cause um, so yeah just just go and have have a nice time have some fun come back with a smile on your face and battle Leicester on Wednesday yeah, no, I, I, I think if you're you're a Liverpool player, you've just been able to have life for a bit and just go away and train, deal with some knocks. It, I think it's benefits it'll benefit the team in terms of players who've had a knock. It's a game, you know, that we haven't had to try and shuffle the pack and risk injuries. You know, they've been away and trained. We've seen the stuff, you know, bits of footage online of the of the players training. So I think it's almost that it's a breather for fans as well. You know, everyone was getting tense during that Palace game. I'd imagine they spent a bit of time in the pub calling numerous players fit to burn. So the, it's probably just a step back for me, like, all right, now I'll take a step back and I'll go and enjoy it again. Because I think one of the really noticeable things is I think fans are getting very excited by what could possibly happen. But I think we were almost not, 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 not feeling like we were there and the fans were there ready to expect it, but... Fans were getting very close very quickly and that run in December and then, you know, you sort of try and make yourself feel better about the Man City result and then you play Palace and you're thinking... And the way I had them them fixtures after Man City was like, all right, you know, if we win these four, then we see where we're at. But there was a period where even I was in my own head thinking, well, OK, if we, drop, if we lose this point here, still a point, OK, what games have they got to play? It's like, mm-hmm. you can really wear yourself out. It's exhausting as a fan. Yeah. You're, you're thinking of permutations. So for us, for all of us, it's a good to just take a step back you know, the FA Cup's happened, we've been able to sort of watch football idly and see what's happening, maybe thinking to yourself, you know, people have talked about Man City, like, oh, they've won the last four games, 28-0, it's like, yeah, and they played, you know, teams by and large that, you know, they should be beaten by them scorelines you'd expect if they're on the day, so they've had to come out and prove a point, has that put a bit in their legs, that they wanted to prove a point and have maybe used up a bit of energy or, you know, some goals, and Man City are a team that can score goals non-stop, but, you know, how fanciful would it be that if, you know, they go to Newcastle and, and struggle to get a goal, their fans will be sitting there and they'll be in our shoes almost thinking, bloody hell, I wish we'd have saved some of them goals for Bayern for these kind of mm. things. So, you know, I think it's, it, that, that break's just good for everyone to go now to Leicester and think, right, we've just got to go and do our job, see what City do, but just go and do our job and then have the next few. And then that next few will get us to a point where, you know, we get to Bayern Munich and we're excited, we have another break. It's like, all right, well, we get, you know, we get through this this period now, a few games, it's broken down. It's like a school term, really, isn't it? You know, if you're a teacher... And you're, you're thinking to yourself, all you're thinking is the summer, the goal of the summer and finishing. You're breaking it down into six weeks, you think I might come back after Christmas, all right, I've got four or five weeks, I've got this in the middle of it. Mm. You're breaking it down by milestone, and I think that's a, that breaks a good thing for the people to do and the one to come is a bit of milestone plan, just about, okay, we've got to do this before the next one, then we see what comes next and see where we are. The contrast you speak of there is actually something to pick up on because, you know, while we spoke about the team being in a bubble week by week, I think, you know, fans themselves can can be in a bubble of only thinking about what's beneficial to your own team and when you look at City you know fatigue is a thing it eventually does catch up to you but at the moment they swa- they are swaggering through their fixtures and in terms of confidence in terms because they in December took a massive psychological sledgehammer to to what they thought they were and and how they perceived their season to go and so to for them to be passing through these fixtures with such ease but also you know statements every single time they go out regardless of the opposition 
will be doing them a world of good as well. Yeah, and I think it's like like I think it was Jay said the coming out and saying all these things, uh, all the players about oh we're not we're not looking at City, we're not bothered about City, and I understand why they're saying it, but human the human beings who who will be looking at them and and comparing themselves to City, um, because we're in a title challenge with possibly one of the best teams we've seen in England, and what you were saying about putting um, more minutes in the legs of City. I think now they've got um, a couple of fixtures rearranged because of the FA Cup mm. with them going through in this round. And I think with Man United going through, that then rearranges the Man... I think the Manchester Derby, I think. I'm not too sure. So that's another little thing for them to keep thinking about. And it's it's really... We know f- football is mainly physical, but this the mental side of it, I think, is is really not talked about enough because, you know, you think of yourself in work when you think... You've just got day after day. You've got stuff to do, and it, it just doesn't stop. That's that's their equivalent. Is game after game, it's constantly thinking about the next thing, and the, the injuries haven't really really helped. Um, and I think, like we said, the break has come at such a good time where I, you know people were talking about you know a crisis with with centre halves, and then obviously the midfield was a little bit here and there. But now, hopefully, the hysteria around it has calmed down a little bit, and. This is like another run of games. I think you leave that one that's just gone. You leave Palace behind. You've got it. That right. That's done. Switch off. Block. Next one. Look at the next couple of games and treat it as a little block. I think treating them in little blocks, you know, is is easier to manage for, uh, for the, the fa- players. It'll keep the fans sane. Mm. Keep the fans sane. The fa- yeah. There's every chance you can get thingy. But I. But again, whilst I think Liverpool maybe have applied that logic, or I'm certainly applying it. I think those questions have to come to City's mind at some point. I think they've been somewhat fortunate by getting Burton and then the teams they've got in the FA Cup so far. At some point, City face a choice. I think, you know, they they get they get to February, March, and they're thinking, OK, we're still in, you know, we've won the League Cup, I imagine. They think of themselves. Tight title race, hopefully, still for us. Champions League draw could be beneficial to them. They get through the next round, which you'd expect them to. Yeah, but they've got right, a, a as well. A quarter, yeah, well, actually, and then they're in a quarter-final, and it's like, well, OK, they could get an, an, a decent draw, and they think to themselves, we can fancy this. Are they, then, are the players starting to apply that pressure to themselves? Because then City are no longer thinking about within a tough title. Right? City are thinking, we could do the quadruple, we could, could do, do the treble, yeah. we could yeah. do a whole host of things, and that will force decisions in Guardiola's mind. So that I think it comes back to that point about taking the blocks. I think we've just got to take that block and almost, you know, to use what's happening in Brexit at the minute, Run down the clock a bit. Mm. Just run down the clock. Let's get us closer to a point where City have to make some decisions. And I think we, you know, our fate will be affected. Not, I don't buy this whole thing of it's it's in our hands kind of thing. I know it is technically, but we're gonna drop points if we win every single game between now and the end of the year. Then all right, Sam, we deserve to win the league. <laughs> Absolutely, no yep. questions asked. But I think is any fan really expecting us to do that? But no. Jay. But if City then drop points because they've had to make things, you'll think, well, okay, well, that's fine. We've still got that same bucket. You'll, you'll feel better about it. If, if our margin for error is thin, then City's is a lot thinner. thinner yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's very easy to project your negative thoughts onto yourself and what could go wrong, could go right. Yeah, Man City are pretty much got to be perfect. Yeah. Unless we collapse, Man City have got to be, I've got to be perfect. And where you, what is interesting, what you referenced there is, as much as City fans broadly would be the, the opposite, if you spoke to... If, if you give... Guardiola the opportunity to pick one of the two now if you said to him right you're going to win what you're either going to win the European Cup or you're going to win the league Absolutely. not just Guardiola but City everyone, everyone involved at City will pick the European yeah, Cup so. 
I think he point, does because he hasn't won it for God knows how many years. Oh, yeah. And at, at some, South Mad because he's won it loads, but you know what I mean. <laughs> at, at some point, I mean, they've got more away games than we have as well on the run. At some point, I don't care how, how rich their squad is, they've still got a first 11, right? Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yep. They've still got a first 11, so I, I don't care how, how, how brilliant their squad is outside the first they've still got a first 11. I just means by proxy, the players coming in aren't as good as the ones that they're replacing. Yeah, but my, my thing is, that's what I do, do, you know, I think City will do whatever they're going to do, but I just think you put that, you put, you've got to give them decisions to make kind of thing, you've got to give them something to do, and I think, you know, that's my thing, if we get through to, you know, it could be anyone else chasing us, we've seen this with United since 2009. But City have got to run out of roads at some point, no, too, absolutely, that's what but I'm saying. What I'm saying is, we, that's why I'm, I'm advocating this idea of taking them down as a block, if Liverpool get through to mid-February, and we're coming up to Bayern Munich, and we've won them games, and the buffer's still four, City, or whoever's chasing, you still have to answer them questions. They still have to say to themselves, well, where do we go? And that that then changes the dynamic of it. And I think it comes to this break again. Having the break we've just had probably lets our fans just say, well, I can just concentrate on the next three. So we'll play Leicester, then we play West Ham. And then they'll all start building up and getting excited again. Because I think everyone's looking at this thinking, right, I think we should beat Leicester. But you never know with the Palace game in mind. We beat Leicester, hopefully. You then go to West Ham and you think, oh, no, that could be a difficult game. Then we'd beat West Ham. And then they'll then they'll get excited for the game after, and then there'll be a break. So then we get to just like let a bit of air out the balloon again, let everyone back down. You know, I feel like I'm a psychologist. But I think that's that's good for us because I think that excitement will boil over, and that's where the players will be thinking about it. But then it just lets everyone take a step back. Yeah. Think about Bayern Munich, get excited about the European Cup again. The league business will take it, and then suddenly we're just in the strides of we're just taking this you know step by step. But Man City are now having to think, well, if I take this step, it means this for well, that. You, we, we won't you, have to. You talk about the psychological aspect, though. The pressure on, as much as the pressure is on us to win, the pressure on, on City, one trying to say is far, far, far greater. Which it, it, it comes down to expectations, doesn't it? And, and you know, for, for a City fan and for a City manager, you know, the expectation is we need to win the league. And more importantly, we need to win that Champions League. There's that, that, that level of investment, that level on, on ground level with their stadium, with their, you know, with their training ground, with their players, the outlay on wages. Make no mistake, that's, that's so they can win that Champions League. And for us, I'm not saying for a second that, that Jurgen Klopp or you know the club doesn't value the Champions League this season. It's, it's all about the league. We know that. They know that. So psychologically for City, you know, having, having such a huge amount of points that they have and still being behind us is an enormous amount of pressure to be on them. And they're looking at their Champions League fixtures as well and thinking that's, you know, they're, so they're, they're spreading their squad a lot a lot thinner, um, their fixture list a lot thinner than we are. I think as well, something that we don't speak about enough especially as Liverpool fans, is luck. Like, uh, don't be fooled. I think City are one of the, the very few teams that have won the Premiership through sheer talent and, mm. and you know, thoroughly deserving it. Look at what Man United done for years under Ferguson. Mm. You know, Chelsea have done it. You need luck. And and whilst we, we've sat here and spoke about City for, you know, the first part of the show, it's it does feed into this idea of luck. So, you know, City dropping those points is luck. Mm. And... We, you need that on your side, and at the minute, there's been a couple of decisions that have gone Liverpool's way. Whether mm. they, you know, whether they yeah. should or shouldn't have is a different question. But you need that on your side usually to win a league. You know, I, I'm like Jay. I, I can't see us going the whole season without dropping any more points. I can't see us, you know, absolutely bladder in the league. But then hopefully, luck goes in our favour. And I'm not saying you have to absolutely hold on to that, but it really, really, you know, it, it does but you well. What? But it is why I think you need to manage it. And I think fans need to manage their own expectations with these breaks and stuff like that. Because I do think 
though the expectation is City would win these things, and for some fans they'll still have them as the favourites, given all the stats and the way we've played so far, and people looking at like and they said there, you know, you've got to rely on them to be perfect. Liverpool don't look like they're going to be as imperfect as City need them to be. That then becomes an expectation. No teams ever had the amount of points Liverpool have had at the turn of the season and not won the league. You know, there's mm. only, the only teams who've been top at Christmas and not won it. Mm. There is an expectation. Oh, aren't, we, that. aren't we about 15 points better off than Leicester were at this point when they won the league? But there is a thing now where I think we're in, in most people's minds, even our darkest recesses, if you won't admit it, anyone who comes on this podcast who's like, no, I'm not thinking Liverpool are going to win the league. <laughs> the Lions definitely thought Liverpool are going to win the league. They're just trying to control it. And, and I think that expectation is now there on the players. They're now, they're now seeing it's available and not not even that's a possibility, but thinking we've got, we could realistically and that brings an expectation that we'll know this is an But you can embrace that though. Can I I say the difference for me having been here for 2013-14 and being around the players and and working with them and being around this group 2013-14 was very giddy was very emotional was very Liverpool are not in control of anything it's like things were we're in control of Liverpool, i.e. just the feeling around the place and everything. It was so easy to get swept up by all that, not just from a supporter perspective, but from the, the, the way the club were at that stage. And people put this on Brendan Rodgers and it wasn't only him, it was all the way through. Um, and even, you know, Stephen, he wanted to win it so badly that it became about, oh my God, we have to win this for, for Stephen. When's he going to have another child? So many factors were at play. Whereas this group are so calm and composed and they don't feel that it's luck or, oh my gosh, look at us, we're in a title race. They're like, we are in this title race because of the way we are, because of how good we are. And I think they do embrace, you know, Andy, you said you can embrace it. I think they absolutely do. I don't think the pressure of, it's not the pressure of being top. It's just that it's relentless the way the season is shaping up. But I think he, Virgil van Dijk absolutely loves being top of the league. <laughs> so does Alison. So do, so do all of them, and they want to stay there. But Liverpool can only control what they can control, and next is Leicester. What we got from Dubai was a mixed set of injury news with regards to Trent, Ginny, Joe Gomez, Dan Lovren, and then Friday... Virgil van Dijk and Fabinho didn't train due to illness, but Fabinho also picked up what seemed to be like a hamstring issue or something um, against Palace. So we seem to have the centre-back crisis averted because you've now got Joel Matip and and Lovren fit to play together. Uh, But now there seems to be an issue at at right-back. Who are you playing at right-back, Andy? I don't know. Um, You know what? I know he got tested, but I think it's easy to forget that Wilf Sahar is actually a very, very good player. Yeah, he's suspended um, though, James yeah, Milner. James Milner, can you? Oh, God, yeah. There you go. <laughs> we have got a problem. I mean, we we, 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 we,
if, if Fabino's not fit. fit though, with um, Faith the back, I think he'll be all right. Or Camacho, you might have to go with Camacho. Um, I think he has to put his faith in him. I think you go three at the back, you're changing something that's worked pretty much. Van Dyke's Van, Van played with illnesses before, and he said something. There was one earlier this season where he'd said he'd had like a bit of a call, like, mate. Calls don't matter to people like you. Yeah, I, I don't you think don't get sick. I don't think there's an issue at at centre back at all because you've got Van Dyke and then you've got Lovren or or Matip. And when Van Dyke, when you when he can't play against Bayern, you've got those two centre backs back. We've seen Fabinho actually play really well at at centre half. I'd actually be more inclined to play him there than see Lovren and, and Matip <laughs> together. But that's just me. Um, but yeah, for right back, if if Fabino's not fit, well, as, as Liz, James Milner suspended, no Trent. Lizzie's Lizzie's nailed it. Camacho. It's only and I'm, I don't touch wood, don't care. So saying it's only Leicester, but do you know what I mean? You, you shouldn't be wanting that your right back is going to cost you the game against Leicester City at Anfield. So and you've also got that you've and I know we picked up an injury, so I don't know whether he's fit or not. But you've got Hover as well, who could possibly come in because that he is actually normally a right back, not a centre half. Even though we played centre half against Wolves, didn't disappoint himself. Or, as Jay said, you could go three at the back. Mm. And then you've that just. But now, I don't know. Maybe What's the expectation that Van Dyke won't be available? No, I think no, Van Dyke. I think there's no question mark over Van Dyke. I think Van Dyke plays. I think, plays, plays, I think, yeah. I think you do the three at the back and put Camacho like wing back kind of thing and just give him a chance to. You know, he'll have then. He's got centre half to cover yeah. him. You know, players you can talk him through a game kind of thing. I think you. You know, if not for being a he's playing right back, he plays it for Brazil. But it's. I think you'd expect with the way if we can, you know, as long as we have a strong enough midfield that we could manage a game against Leicester kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah manage our way through because we're gonna have to. I think this this is the other point about you know we can we can um and on worry and stress all these things. I think it wouldn't be great to be City and stuff like that. We've got to. We can't like we're not gonna magic a right mm. back before mm. now and then. I think I think you've got to say to yourselves we've got to do this. You know, greatest respect in the world, John Flanagan. Was playing right back in the season when he won the league last yeah. time. So you know, I think we can figure out a way to do it with the def- with the players we've got to say to a, a young lad, listen, you know, if we need to, but we're going to help. Did this plays into the, the, this plays into the psychology thing we saw about five minutes ago. Though you can obsess yourself with yeah. with, exactly, with small yeah. details, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and I think you did. You can wind yourself up so much over it when actually it's right back. ハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハ
stable the foundation is to to keep it tight James yeah and you're also you're also you're asking a lot of you know of, of Jordan Henderson um, and Ginny Wijnaldum as well to, to perhaps sit a little bit further back and, and and protect them and go back to just being absolutely rock solid do you know what I mean and grind it grind I fully expect us to grind out a one nil against Leicester I don't think it's going to be you know a return to to us banging in the goals I think it's going to be a very a very you know it's been said so many times this season but a very mature performance after the utter chaos that was last week <laughs> you know he's going to be Jürgen's going to want an absolutely solid mature grown up professional performance we can't we can't be shipping two three goals that's that's a madness mm. The last few fixtures against Leicester have actually been quite tight as well. Yeah. And sometimes I think you can get into the habit of um, underplaying the opposition or sometimes overplaying them. But what we've seen from Leicester, very strong on the counter, good in the air, very, very good balanced midfield with a bit of everything, you know, Ndidi to, to break up play, Madison to set the tempo um, and create. But they've been so inconsistent. They lost at Wolves in one of the best matches I've seen in, in a while in terms of like sheer craziness. Um, they lost at home to Southampton. They lost to Cardiff in between beating Everton and Manchester City. So you never really actually know what you're going to get with Leicester. Andy, what are you so expecting? There's a couple of things. Here. So the, the manner in which they lost the Wolves game. So pe people talk about momentum in football and... Um, you know, and the talk about momentum is always positive when actually it can be it can be negative in the manner in which you lose games. They can do absolutely kill you, Stone Dead. I mean, they lost four three to Wolves. I I think it would have felt better for them just to get beat three or four nil. Mm. You know, just the, the manner in which the game went to get themselves back into it. Massive blow. Pool's a bit of Pool's a bit of a weird one, any because as you said, they had some really good results. But then you you know they've dropped they've dropped points where you think that you know they they, they should be competing and that he's under he's under a little bit of pressure. I'd be looking to take advantage of the Wolves result because I think psychologically that 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 that'll still be in the system. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the type of game that if Liverpool score, I'm not saying we will, but if Liverpool score early, I think there's a possibility there that I wouldn't say cricket score, but we can get three and four. Just going back to the Palace game because I don't know whether I'm being overly harsh, but. Given the standards that he set, do you think Alisson could have done better with the first and the third? I think the management. I think he'd expect by his own that, standards. Yeah, by his own standards, he wouldn't have been happy with himself. Uh, and I think that's the. F I don't think it matters what anyone else thinks. I think you know him personally. He wouldn't have been happy. But I think the management of the game flew out the window, and that's what I think. Because game management have be has been so critical to everything Liverpool have done actually since the back end of last season, not even taking this season into account. And and they'll want to get back to that. Um, with Leicester, it's, I think, quite common knowledge that the dressing room's not happy with the manager, which then creates an odd environment because, you know, the thing with Leicester is historically they've been a team that that will battle. They'll they'll give you a rough time of it, even you know even if you do win. Um, and if they're not really completely up to battle, if things aren't going their way, then it will work in Liverpool's favour, Joe. Yeah, I think it, we've just got to go out there, as, as James said before, and you know just do our job, think to ourselves, do our job. And I think maybe you know if there is a questioner. You know, I used to think this about Glenn Johnson. When Glenn Johnson was playing left-back for Liverpool, 
it almost had to sharpen his mind. Glenn Johnson always played better, I think, when he played left back because it, it's like he had to concentrate on doing his job. And I think, you know, if we've got a question here about right back, maybe it's focusing the mind, saying this isn't a given for us. Leicester's going to be hard. We're going to have to be on our game. So the midfielder thinking, right, I'm going to have to, you know, help out the right back if it's Camacho or Hoover or someone like that. You know, I'm going to have to do that. You know, got to take your chances, sharpen the mind and get them into the thing. Like we've got to just do what we need to do to win this game. So if we get a chance, we've got to be on our game and stuff like that. And I think there's a, again coming back to the fans thing where I think we are both in this together. I think the fans have got to be patient on that. Leicester might be hard. It, you know, we've had nine days off. That that Palace thing might still be in our system. The players might be a bit frustrated and wanting to. You know, Alisson have proved themselves. So if if it's not quite going our way, don't be getting you know anxious and stuff like that. And I think I I I can see him then picking a midfield that does more work to maybe outwork Leicester. So I think Henderson you know plays Ronaldo providing he's okay plays because he's thinking that right. I want to I want outwork. He's I think you know I want to sh- I want to control the game. Even if we don't score, even if we don't look. Or, or isn't there, isn't there a flip side to that though? So you, so you talk about Leicester and Mel's quite right, saying that you know, there's a, not all, all behind the scenes is particularly going well, and I just think Leicester might be in the mindset where if a nil nil they're still in the game, but I think if they go one nil down early, they'll take any excuse just to possibly to so. But but the thing with Leicester and, and and even the teams, you know, below sixth or seventh now, they're really I think I don't know where Wolves are. I think Wolves might be seventh, but. They're a bit more consistent. The Leicester and the West Ham's and the Brightons and stuff like that are so inconsistent. They're so like you'd look at them fixtures there. I'm looking at who Leicester have got next: us, United, Spurs, Palace, Brighton. I'm looking at that thinking they're going to beat one of us, United or Spurs. They're then going to get battered by Palace or something. Then they're going to beat Brighton, and their fans are just going to be going one on here if you do. Because that that's the way they've been Leicester. They're not. They they put in a performance. You know they've got the players that can do it. So you know. Play, if Leicester if Leicester get on the front foot, you know, and think they've got a bit of space, so I can see us having a hard work in midfield, covering the right back, yep. just sort of make, saying them to us, well, go on, you can't play on the counter attack, you can't use your pace to get behind us. What are you going to do now? You know, and then they get they might that might happen, and they get frustrated. But I think it comes to that other bit of it. It's saying to your front three, right? You know, you got to take your chances. Your chance comes in the box, get a shot off. You know, try and get that goal and see if their heads go then, because you don't know which Leicester you'll get. I think you know. I'm more sure what West Ham will get going into the West Ham game. Yeah. I think they just play a certain way, whereas Leicester, because of the nature of the players and you know the, this the ongoing thing, where they seem to dislike every manager after a couple of seasons. <laughs> they're like the reverse of Mourinho, aren't they? Mourinho falls out with his players. <laughs> you know, yeah. These players actively look to fall out with a manager. So I think they, you know, you 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 try and get a result. You try and go up early against Leicester and see how they react, but. You know, equally, Leicester could come out and say, well, you know what, we're going to try and put on a show. I, yeah. I think we're lucky that, that he hasn't been sacked, to be honest, because I think had the new manager bounce. Yeah, yeah we've well, been I on the wrong end of that as well. Because we've we talked about mentally with, with Liverpool, but they think about like Leicester's mental attitude if they don't want to play for the manager. And they're coming up against the team that's top of the league and they're just thinking, oh, I can't be bothered with this. And I think if Puel would have got sacked last week, I think we'd see a different Leicester to what we're going to face this week. Right. And I think... Don't forget that that Leicester away game, by the way, because it was it was one of the worst games I've seen us play this season. Yet we won. Yeah. But it that was a slog, and I think it's different because we're at home. And I think, it's, like I say, I think the mentality of Leicester at the start of the season is completely different to where they're at now. But this is an opportunity now because I know I know we're we're trying to be a bit respectful to Leicester because because of the players they've got and the way that they can play. But the form that they're in now, we need to absolutely capitalize on this. And I mm. think. One of the things that we're talking about with selection, 
um, with Palace, I think conceding the three goals was harsh, but I think as well there was, there was a lot of Klopp's hand. I, I felt like Klopp's hand was forced. He had no choice but to play, you know, Naby Keita where he played Naby Keita and it might be the same against mm. Leicester and it's like Jay said, it's a mental hurdle. So if we have to play Camacho at right back, that has to happen. It might be that Fabinho's out still injured. Obviously, Milner's suspended, so that leaves us no choice than Henderson, there Genie, might, Keita. Yeah, there might be midfield shuffles as well because we have no idea whether, you know, it's a day-by-day thing with Wijnaldum, which to me says that he's, you know, he, he might be fine, but it might be a risk. And I don't think how many risks Liverpool are are willing to take. Probably more than usual because of the breaks that they've got. But I don't think, if you don't, if it's not absolutely necessary, I, I can't see them taking risks. Um, we spoke a lot about fans in the first part of the show. And so Neil Atkinson has spoken to Ian Byrne, who's doing a very, very good thing, and I think something that we should all subscribe to. There's an initiative led by the fans to keep Anfield tidy. Joined by Ian Byrne, he often comes on here to talk about food bank-related stuff, but this is a bit different, although it is still impacting the local community. Ian's a councillor for Everton, uh, and we're talking about the area of Anfield. Uh, Ian, it's... Liverpool, the club as a whole, we've had a bit of a strange relationship with Anfield a couple of times. Yep. Different ownerships, different sort of attitudes towards the area. Yep. I think, though, you're pulling together at the minute a little grassroots initiative about Liverpool supporters and their relationship with with, with Anfield. Yeah, yeah, spot, spot on. Eh? There's there's been a, a strained relationship, shall we say, between the club and the and the local residents, and there's a lot of dynamics to that. But for this for this instance, what we've just tried to do is. Basically, tell supporter groups come to Anfield, enjoy Anfield. It's a wonderful place. Uh, enjoy the football, enjoy the pubs, the the pie shops, as you said, the uh, the best, the chippies. No, the whole the whole game experience. But just also remember that it is actually it is more to Anfield than just be at the football stadium. And this grassroots initiative, which is supported by Spirit of Shankly, Spying Cop. Fan support on food banks and cop outs. It's just to show that the local residents that you know the supporters do care. The 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 supporter base does care, and we pull this together just to just educate our, our fans who come from far and wide that you know Anfield is a, it's a wonderful place, but also it's a wonderful place to live as well. It's long been, you know, it's it's Anfield itself. That one day there will be a, someone will write a terrific social history of the area of Anfield because in many ways its ups and downs have to some degree mirrored. You know, if you see Anfield as a whole, not just the area directly by the ground, Anfield yeah. including L five, not just L four, a little bit. It's mirrored a lot of what's sort of happened in the city, in the city yeah. right the way through. And it's worth remembering that, isn't it? You know, when it is, you know, it was, it is, and was, and part of the sheer energy that, for instance, charges Shankly's Liverpool late fifties into the sixties yeah. was the energy of of Anfield and that community itself yeah. as a, a place where people lived. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think, so we're just trying to urge supporters that obviously we go to the stadium, we show appreciation and respect to the team and that should filter out to actually the neighbours who actually support the club. And there's a press statement going out, so we're putting it out on Monday. And, you know, it is about, it's about unity, unity is strength. And I think we need as much unity in the area as we can at the moment. And it's just, it, and I say it come from, uh, there was a residence meeting and the Liverpool representative was getting a little bit of stick from local residents about some of the litter in little little pockets of anti-social behaviour and he thought that there's fans, uh, you know, potentially we needed to bring Kingdom in. And my I was horrified, obviously that's before we got rid of Kingdom, thank the Lord, but 
they were actually con- contemplating bringing a, a company like Kingdom in, which I thought would have been absolutely so detrimental to, to having them walking around Anfield. So I thought, well, like so the relationships between supporters, community, club, but it would have just it would have just caused so it, much bother. So much bother, wouldn't it? It would have caused so much bad press. It would have caused so much ill feeling. It just was not the right way to go. So I, I said to them, just let, let's hang fire and let's see if we can get the, the supporters groups to come together, send out a message. And hopefully this will resonate. This this important usually uh, this program's usually important for that uh, to get that message out to fans who are coming in and just just remember that you know it's it's a wonderful place. Enjoy it, but just treat it like you treat your own uh, you know your own home. You'd expect people who are coming into your areas to treat it. And also the I mean there's the, there's sort of a wider conversation about Anfield and the city. We all know the links could be a little bit better. Yeah. We all know that, you know, the area of Anfield itself will maybe be better served with with with, with feeling that prox there is a close proximity to the city centre, but it could do with that being sort of underlined at times. But also saying to people that Anfield can be should be part, could be part of your your full day experience that Absolutely. this is but but we need to therefore cherish Anfield and that's you know, there's lots of good stuff going on. There's more and more businesses opening up in Anfield that go around match. Day, you know, we go and record our post-match show at Hotel Tier, and we're pleased to do so. But it's good to feel as though Anfield gets to be the centre of all of this. Yeah, yeah, and you know, we, you can see the grassroots recovery, can't you? For us, say from home big to tier, there's a number of really good uh, businesses coming through, which it, which is, which is joyful. No, no tier yeah. is just a wonderful place to be, isn't it? You know, I live. It's at the top of our road. <laughs> going there, I'm, I'm lucky. I can go in there for the bevy on a, on a Friday night and and see what they've actually tagged in and the, and the company have done there, but. This is just, and I say we didn't want to top down dictate from the club, so it just doesn't resonate if the club tell supporters to behave. Uh, yeah. So Wells, we're just saying this to supporters, just always bearing in mind that you know these people. We live in the area. I live four streets from Manfield. We love the club. Well, I do. Uh, might be a different opinion there, <laughs> but you love being the club being in the vicinity. It it it, it can be a real asset for our community, uh, but the club sometimes haven't lived up to that. But you know, hopefully things are just changing. But we've got to live up to it as well. So there's times Absolutely. where we, we don't want the club to be heavy-handed, so therefore we've got to behave better. That, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's give and take. It's give and take, and the club have been great with regards to what they've done. There's definitely an improvement with regard cleaning, safe after the match. There's much, there's a number of portaloos. There must be of seventy odd now around the ground. We told them that that they needed that sort of thing so the club have actually bought into this so they're having a go so also we're asking now football fans is to, for our fans is just to do the same uh, and just always bear in mind that you know it, it is a home for a lot of people and, and just respect that thank you very much to Ian bear the message in mind so we've spoken about the Leicester game and since the players had an opportunity to sit back and look at the bigger picture I thought we could do the same there have been reports this week that Liverpool have invested over $200 million in in the squad and keeping it intact in terms of all the contract extensions that we've seen recently. Um, and that the club, you know, therein are unlikely to pay blockbuster fees uh, like we've seen, you know, in January and the summer with Virgil van Dijk coming in, Alisson, Fabinho. And I noticed that, you know, there was a bit of kickoff over that. But that actually makes sense because if you go through Liverpool's squad, there's not a massive... You don't need to go and drop like 80 million on... on If you've already got one of the best goalkeepers in the world, if not, you know, in current form, probably, say, the best in Europe, the best centre-back in the world, your front three are those three, uh, and you've got variety in midfield, there's, you know, in terms of massive mega fees there's not much you can improve on there Lizzie no I don't think so I think what the club have I think the club have been really really smart um I think you you look back and 
there's been a couple of comparisons in the last week or two of, of Raheem Sterling and what happened there a couple of years ago and it just doesn't seem to be the same club dealing with it, it, it seems like the club have matured and sort of realised what they need and like you said if you've already got the best why are you out looking for more and tying those players down to a contract is just a good sign and as signing an mm. 80 million pound yeah. you know you know midfielder because we've we've got what we believe is the best and and I know contracts don't mean you know as much these days loyalty isn't all there but it's an intention it's a clear intention set out by the club no nonsense this is what we want this is what we're going to pursue and we we, we've got our first 11 pretty much so then it's just the ones that come in behind them and the supplements yeah, yeah and and i i'm not surprised i i would be surprised if liverpool went spending a ton of money on someone it would make me nervous because i'd be thinking who's going why are we spending that much money so i'm not i'm absolutely not fuming i'm not i'm not questioning it i expected january to be quiet Maybe if, maybe arguments say he, he, he could have brought someone in to help with the injuries, but then, you know, we, we've seen the Stephen Culker a couple of years ago <laughs> who ends up playing centre-forward. Um, I'm really happy with the way that the club's going and the way that they're negotiating deals and keeping the players on. And it does help that Liverpool are winning. It does help that we're probably guaranteed Champions League again. And that does all, that. that is a factor. You can't ignore that. Um but no, fair play to the club for what they're doing. It feels like there's a, for the first time in a long time this season, it feels like there's a huge amount of harmony between the owners and the manager and the players and all that noise that you can hear is the other show being recorded next door. Um, but yeah, it feels like there's a huge amount of harmony. And also, you know, we're dining at the top table for the first time in a long time as well. There's not many players in the world that wouldn't want to come and play for this Liverpool team, for this manager. Um, and that puts us in, 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 a, in a huge position of strength. Um, and also the way that we've gone about our business in the past 12, 18 months, you know, we haven't we haven't had, it doesn't seem to me anyway like there's been a plan B and a plan C, different options of players. It seems like we're very much, that's the one player that we want and we're prepared to wait or we're prepared to pay over the odds. So make no mistake, Jurgen Klopp's already identified exactly who he wants, if if anyone at all. So that's, and that's why it's been so quiet, is there's not a, there's not a case being made for well, we need a couple of lads in for cover. That's not the way this club seems to do their business now. It's much more a sense of that's the fella that we want. He might be, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, whatever it is, but that's the only player that we want and we're prepared to wait for him. And right now we're in a huge position of strength, top of the league. You know, it's, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an excitement, there's a, uh, almost a glamour about Liverpool that I don't think we've had for a while. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's why I just don't think there's going to be anyone coming in and I think I think the balance is is perfect with this squad um, yeah I mean look you know it's all about managing the injuries and it's about managing the squad but for the first time we've got a huge squad of super talented players you know you couldn't name many players I don't think that, that, that you wouldn't want starting right now to be honest I'll be honest I find I find the curious um, not to say disagree I just I just find the why why the club felt the, the need to put that message out. Yeah. Curious. Um is it to send a message to other clubs say look we're not gonna overpay? Is it to send a message to the squad saying look we believe in you, you know, we're not looking at anyone else. We we're gonna stick with you guys. Was it You're such a cynic. No, 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 you, but you don't. I haven't joined in yet. You don't. Clubs put me messages out like that for a reason. Yeah. They don't just do it off, off their own bat. 
What I will say is, at the same time, if I don't believe for one second that if the right player came on yeah, the market, absolutely. Liverpool wanted, I don't think anyone's it, arguing whether with it that, was though. ten million pounds or a hundred million pounds. Liverpool wouldn't go and do yeah. it. But saying that, where it does make sense, and I still don't get why they put the message out. You look at Real Madrid, you look at Bayern Munich, you look at Barcelona. The nucleus of their squad is the same nucleus that they've had for five and six yeah, seasons. Yeah. So they've, they've put the spine in and gone, right, that's what we're going to deal with. Real Madrid, four out of the last five seasons, have actually booked a net profit on mm. transfers, which is mad when you think about it. Mm. And then you look at the, the numbers that came out last week. I think Barcelona are similar because of the, the, yeah. the Neymar thing. And you, you look, I mean, you look at the, the Coutinho struggle at the minute at Barcelona, and it shows. You only need the, the, the yes, the drug not being there anymore. How much that one player has changed mm. for them, mm. um, and and it's curious. So yeah, I can kind of believe that. And then you look at the wage figures, the the, the Deloitte money thing that came out last week. Barcelona Real Madrid's wage bills absolutely astronomical. Yeah. So you can see where that money goes in. But if you if you if you give me the option, and I'm not saying it's as black and white as this, but if you said to me right now we can either commit a hundred million pounds to these five players for the next five years, or we can go and sign someone else for under million pounds. It, 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 it's, no, it's, it's an absolute mm, no-brainer. Yeah. What I will say is, as much as Liverpool have been spending money off the pitch commercially, it, they've been doing fantastically well. Mm. I know they're going to book a hundred million pound net profit when they come to come out yeah. in March. Yeah. I even know that you know that needs further explaining, which is just what the research I'm doing about how transfers fees are allocated. Blah 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 mm. blah. So yeah, um, so to put a to put a button on it, I agree with it. I'm just curious as to why they've, they've come up with that message. Well, I, I, I agree with some of your points around why they might have done it. You know, sends a statement to players. I think it says well, it's not overpaying. You know, shows you supporting them and stuff like that. I think it's come out in order around the same time that they knew this Deloitte stuff was going to start coming out. You know, we're, we're making all this money. I think it's probably to put a bit of a thing in the idea that we're not spending in January. I agree with the idea of maybe saying this to say we don't need to sign no one in January. This was our intention in this transfer window or this period where the clubs are. I think, though, given the conversation we've just had about sent in depth, the conversation we've just had about City having more than one first eleven, Liverpool should be aspiring to that. Liverpool should be aspiring to say, you know, that our bench, you know, we're going to pull a De Bruyne off the bench, you know, that we're going to have a Bernardo Silva on the bench like City have got all Mares and stuff like that. Players off the bench because they get injured. Also, I want Liverpool to be the best. I, I love all these lads. But if there's a better Virgil fans like, oh, there you go, Ed, we'll have him. Oh, no, I'm Make him a Virgil. Yeah, look look at the th- thing we've seen from a genie. You know, by the players we brought in, we have seen a noticeable improvement no, in Jay, players. Like, I agree with it 100%. And I think the minute you stop trying to improve is the minute you go backwards. Yeah. There's no standing still but in I football. Think, but I think the fans will read that and the, the devil's advocate that it's not... Oh, I can't wait for March. On, I yeah. can't wait for March social media when yeah, those but, results but come there's out. there's a devil's advocate bit about it. It's the club's making more money than ever before. And the 200 million isn't strictly true, is it? Because they're saying they've, you know, earmarked 200 million for these players, but they'd already earmarked tens of millions towards them players. It's not like... Yeah, it's not these, fresh 200 million, yeah, these, is it? These players haven't all had a 200 million pounds, no. a, you know, pay increase, because that would be boss, but we just haven't. <laughs> but, you know, so they were already maybe getting paid 150 million and there's been an increase. And I get that and I understand why that headline number is always important. But I think fans, and I'd expect, me personally, I expect what Melissa said there, that the idea that a player will be available to pull or go for them. But also the ball, you know, the, the the ballpark figure now for a player has changed. Naby Keita yeah. was fifty million, and he hasn't quite hit the ground running for some people's things. Nevis Fabinho, but an Allison at seventy million does, and a Van Dijk at seventy five million does. So I think people are now thinking, well, the ballpark for a player to just come in and just play, 
and just fit, slot right in it. Maybe maybe it's sixty million now, so it's a Mares kind of fee. It's mm. that level of fee, so it works the way. We've got twenty million pounds for Dominic Solanke. Well, it probably means we're never going to get a player like Shakiri again for 13, 13 million kind mm. of thing. So, with I suppose it's the what people see as blockbuster. I don't think we're just going to go and throw money out there, but I would like to think that Liverpool are thinking to themselves. There is a player in the summer. There's a player we've got in mind, whether it's to compete with or you know replace one of the front three at some point. You know, I'm sure they all look playing for Liverpool, but you know we're not saying that if it did or didn't happen. You know, I think you're right. You have a spine of the team. Man United had this, Barcelona had this, but they were successful teams. So if Liverpool builds, Liverpool becomes successful. You you know, then players want to stay. If it's a bit indifferent. But that's why you need to be on top of the That's yeah, what I'm saying. No, I'm agreeing. I think I think you know you're thinking to yourselves in the summer. We'll go on. Let's sign this other player that maybe competes with Manny. Manny's good. Manny's good. I think there's parts of his game he can improve. But do you think well? Well, let's buy them. Let's buy him and let's compete him with Manny. And then if Manny does fancy a move somewhere else, if someone came in for him, we've got a replacement ready. Mm-hmm. I think you've got to keep the the, the problem that Pool have made in the had in the past is where they believe we're there. We've reached our destination. Yeah. Whether our destination should be. Somewhere way into the but, future of being that you know being a multiple league and Champions League winner in the next ten years. But the, the, the other the other side of this is the pool the, the pool of players that would improve Liverpool as Liverpool get better gets better as it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, and that's why, and more that's why you need big fees. So I so I, I think I think what you'll see from Liverpool over the next couple of windows is they'll go for the best kids in Europe, which we've demonstrated, and they'll. You'll, you'll see more the Shaqiris can get those deals done what I think you won't see anymore is your Stewie Downing you know your middle of the yeah. road signings yeah. so it's either going to be absolutely elite top end or about to be top end because you know the way the markets yeah. the way Michael Edwards does mm. his, his analysis the players they believe will be absolutely world class or the likes of Shaqiris or brilliant brilliant kids not like 25 not like 26 27 year old well, yeah. I think Liverpool's uh, thing is it's one player at a time so if it's one player a window that improves continuously mm. to midfield the next time it's an attacker or whatever that's our thing I, I think Unless Liverpool I think if we you know we can question why the message has come out and all that stuff but what we can't question is Liverpool have shown a willingness to pay whatever fee it takes to get the players that they 100% believe improve the, the squad and make Liverpool title challenges and, and a force in Europe um, we also talk about the money Liverpool are making, but they're making this money because they operate smarter now, because they're not squandering fees on anyone and everyone and, you know, working on so many different sorts of strategies. It's all joined up thinking that have led us to this point. I think we also forget that we didn't sign Roberto Firmino as one of as an elite forward. We made Roberto Firmino what he is. Mohamed Salah didn't come to Liverpool as, as a 44-goal Phenom, he's become that here. Andy Robertson, yeah. Sometimes people always assume ambition is pay a big fee and that's ambition. That's not... Keeping your best players at the club, that's a sign of ambition. Man City's best players, Mel. How much do they pay for them? Company? Exactly. Not a lot. Sergio Aguero. Fernandinho, who now everyone thinks is the absolute glue for for Manchester City. I Even think, the Bruyne looks like yeah. a bargain. It's identifying that one player and yeah. going, that's that's who we but want. I, but I think the thing, just just to say before everyone does batter me who watches this or listens to it, <laughs> so Jay, being dead, I'm not, I, I, I was playing devil's advocate on some of them points, but I think it's good for Liverpool to understand why fans might think like that because the club now pitches itself. And, it, and, it, and I think there's an incestive thing though about the stuff like 
Paul Joyce's piece on this, and I think the stuff you've done recently, where I think you know some of the long reads. One of the criticisms I've had of Liverpool and fans have had of Liverpool in the past is we don't understand why they're doing stuff. And I think people used to think I wanted Tom Werner or Mike Gordon to sit there and answer questions on LSC TV. I don't want to probably answer them on this, but <laughs> you know, I, I wanted them to articulate what their vision is, and now I get the feeling they're doing that smartly. They're talking about what they're doing and why, and they're getting that information out there without us, without doing a look at us kind of thing, which yeah. is quite important. But fans will look at this and say, I want us to continue to strive to be successful, and I don't want us to think that we've... Fa- because we're having a really good season, like we had under Rodgers, I think there was a feeling amongst at the time that Liverpool had cheated... Liverpool had found a, sh- a cheat to get to the top and nearly win the league. And I think there was a feeling there'd be a danger with some of this stuff if it's seen a certain way, is that this looks like we're trying to say, oh, well, we found the solution now. And it was buying these kinds of players. And now we're at this level and we'll stay here. I think Liverpool's thing's got to be like what you said and expand on it and talk about saying, no, now it's like, if you win the league or the Champions League, now it's like, let's the next step. Let's win three of these in the next five years. Let's win loads of tr- these trophies and have players who are maybe at the top end of the queue, then are desperate to come for us. So that reduces the fee. So it's no longer just saying, we want to sign this player who maybe doesn't want to leave. It's maybe a player who's saying, I'm not going to sign that contract extension because I do want to join Liverpool then. And we save money that way. It'd be nice to see. I think as well, um, to again, to go devil's advocate on, on the January transfer window is... You know, fans seeing fans like... We're not having an earthquake, by the way. <laughs> Andy, it's just sat up. <laughs> fans, aye, aye. fans seeing him. Fan <laughs> you know, This is being filmed, you know. That was brutal and wildly unnecessary. <laughs> and also, and also Wait, that, was, that was a proper narrator voice that way. <laughs> <laughs> and also inaccurate, James. <laughs> <laughs> Back to back to my January point, Jane McKenna. Stop being a child. Um, Van Dyke signed last year in January, seventy-five million. We've seen a big move last January. We've seen Oxley Chamberlain coming last year, and that statement of intent got us to where we were to the Champions League final. So I think the devil's advocate in in terms of what the fans might think, even though the the club is coming out and announcing all these signings, maybe to say, listen, we know what we're doing. We're tying down these players. We're keeping these players, but then. Some fans might be thinking, but hold on, you know, you went out and spent loads of money on Virgil van Dijk last year and look where we got. We're in a title race, a very realistic title race for the first time in God knows how long. And, you know, we're not soft. Like, Lovren and Matt aren't up to the standard that we want them to be. So, had there been a player identified, would it not be the right time to bring them in rather than just waiting and seeing what happens? Because actually we've got the the the, the most... the the best shot at winning the league that we've had. So why aren't we bringing in players? It sounds to... so but easy when you say it, it like does, that. And Transfers are the most complicated but it's what, thing. But it's, what, it's what Andy said before about the the pool of players gets smaller. So you, so so you can't just you can't just you can't pluck them out of the air. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Can't. We probably have identified a new centre back. That we I'd be very very surprised if we haven't. Maybe even two. But you know it's a it's a very very small pool of players, and you have to, it's, it's patience. But it's why this discussion is quite important, and it's sort of making those points on both sides. Somebody said we know it's hard, and lots of fans when you sit and talk to them about it will know it's hard. Mm. And I think it's where Liverpool have been smart talking about the challenges of how you're identifying and sign players because I think people appreciate that. Oh, hang on, this isn't as straightforward. But I bet you loads of fans, I've seen it on internet forums, I've seen it on social media, saying the same thing. Of, oh, let's bring forward the summer sign and 
um, into January because we need someone as if like it, <laughs> just, I, yeah, as, if, like, as if like it's just saying oh well, someone wants to sign Bobby Firmino and it's just give you one of now like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, but, exactly but, but we do because what we do is and the point and this is why it's quite important for us to talk about it and pitch both sides is largely what we do as fans is entirely irrational we go and watch a lot of millionaires kick a ball around the pitch <laughs> for 90 minutes you know every few days and then we try and apply reason to it and say, well, why wouldn't the player do this? Because it's largely irrational. You're being irrational, and now you'd expect transfers to do. But I think the club is understanding that. But I just think that's why that 200 million thing could be seen. There'll be two. There'll be two trains of thought on that from fans. Liverpool are being very smart. They're being clever. They're you know, building for the future. And then there'll be others being, well, that's not enough. I want more. And I think there's just a bit, bit of context missing in what they I said. I think. I think one thing I will say to the club: there's a lot more clarity about Absolutely. what they're doing compared to what they were doing a couple of years ago. And also, you mentioned the centre-half specifically when you you say, all right, love and massive, whatever. But what does it say to these young kids you're trying to bring in? What does it say to Joe Gomez? Yeah. Who's had who's had a great season? Do you know what I mean? So, we, we've we gone out and signed um, Hover a couple of months ago and within a couple of within a couple of months, he's in the first team, in the, or, albeit in a cup yeah. game. But then you, you can then go demonstrate that to the other best kids in Europe. We've mm. just signed this committee out of the French centre-half. Mm-hmm. And he could... You're not telling me he hasn't looked at what, what's happened with Hover and gone, oh, there's a path. If I'm good oh, Joe enough... Gomez. He's looking at Joe the, Gomez. Think the, 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 there's, a path, there's a pathway there. And I think for the first time in a long time, we've, we've kind of put ourselves near the front of the queue for the best of these kids. Yeah. It's not like Liverpool are on earth in these kids. Every club with half-decent scouting departments in Europe knows who these kids yeah. are. Yeah. And, knows, and know from the time they're about 12, 11, yeah. 12, like, the two follow kids them. Getting, yeah. getting them to choose you mm. rather than the, the, the likes of the railway. I mean, who was that Norwegian kid a couple of years ago? Who oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, right, it hasn't worked out for him, but now, you, you know, we never really had any real hope of getting him in. Now, if the same situation was around, you'd think we'd, we'd have a, a, a slight mm. chance of, of, of beating other teams to the punch. Right, that's been the Anfield Wrap. Today's show was in partnership with Redsbet.com. Thanks to them and thanks to our guests. The football is nearly, nearly back. Hang in there. Yeah. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.